Well, what is up, Northridge Church? It is so good to be with you today. And ultimately, that's what the church is, right? It's us together. We don't go to church. We are the church. And it's so good to gather as the church. And what I love about our church is we are actually gathering together over multiple locations, saturating the Rochester area with the gospel. And so we're with our Webster family, our Brighton family that's getting ready to launch. We're with our Rochester family. With our, we're with our online family as well. So welcome to everybody. Welcome home. Welcome to the family. And you know, when it comes to our lives, one of the best things in life is getting a gift. Now, who doesn't like to receive a gift? Knowing that somebody thought of you, someone wants to bless you, and I think, you know, this time of year, that's why we, we often think of Christmas. It's the, the getting and the giving of gifts. And I, listen, I just gotta be real with you. I have to confess something. I've been listening to Christmas music. <laughs> Like, I'm sorry, I know some of you are like, what's wrong with you? I, I, just, I, just, I felt like this was a safe place and I needed to let you know that. Um, but anyway, back to the giving and receiving of gifts. Who doesn't like that? And ultimately, there's a lot of things we love about Christmas, but the central part is, is a gift. So I have great news. I actually brought a gift for people today, four people over four campuses if you've never been into our city and gone and gotten some chocolates at the Hedonist, I'm just telling you, you haven't tasted real chocolate yet. They make amazing chocolates. And so I, I want to give some gifts out today. In fact, if you're watching from our Webster campus or our Brighton campus, uh, right now Michelle and Noah are just looking out in the crowd. If you want a box of chocolates, just put your hand in the air. The first person they see, they're going to give it to you. Listen, I said Webster and Brighton. Relax, people. Okay? Relax. If you're watching online, there's a, there's a number you got to text. The first person to text that number, Brad's going to ship you some chocolates. Okay, Rochester, relax. Who would love some chocolates? All right, you, you come on up here. Yeah, come on up here. You got to come up here. Yeah, you, you, I ain't throwing it to you. You got to get up here. Listen, I promise you my sermon is going to be way better if you eat some of those. Make some friends, hog them all yourself. All up to you. Yes, you're welcome. That's right. You see, there's nothing better than getting a gift. And actually, that's the context of where we left off in the book of Acts. What did Jesus say to his disciples? He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus says his church is, is, is witnesses, right? But before they could be his witnesses, they had to receive a gift from God. Because God was going to give his followers a gift that would ultimately establish his church. The gift of the Holy Spirit was the thing that would be the beginning of God's church. But as you know, there's nothing better than getting a gift. There's nothing worse than waiting on a gift. Right? No one want, likes to know a surprise is coming and have to wait for it. We're not good at, at waiting, especially for something good. And you know who's really bad at that? My children. 
Ashley and I in parenting have learned that if we have a surprise for our kids, we can't tell them about it until it's the day to give them to them because my kids are really good at nagging me enough for me to break. Right? They'll be like, hey, hey dad, you want to just, keep, just, just describe it to me. Daddy, is it a toy? Is it a trip? Daddy, daddy, just tell me, daddy. And they will wear me down until I'm just like, here, here it is. I don't care anymore. Because no one likes to wait on a gift. But here the disciples are, before the church ever started, having to wait. Wait on a gift. But here's what's interesting about that. Is they had to wait on the gift, but they knew what gift was coming. They knew because Jesus told them all about it in John chapter 14, John chapter 15, and John chapter 16. In fact, look at Jesus' words. He says, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. And so as Jesus describes this gift before the gift would ever come, he he uses this word. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit our advocate. He is our advocate. And if you study this word that Jesus uses multiple times throughout John 14, 15, and 16 in description of the Holy Spirit, right? this, this Greek word is paraclete. Our advocate is our paraclete. And this Greek word means advocate. It means helper, counselor, guide, advisor, friend. But I loved what one Greek scholar said. He says, your paraclete is a legal advocate who always makes the right judgment call. That's who the Holy Spirit is. He's your guide in life who always gets it right. And so here the disciples are waiting on this gift. God has given them a gift. God has given his church a gift in this Holy Spirit. And before we get into the role the Holy Spirit plays in the church, in our lives, the first question that we should ask is how do I get this advocate? I mean, think about this for a second. If if the God of the universe, the God who who put the stars and the sun and the moon in in the sky, the God who who created everything that we know, if he wants to give you and me a gift, shouldn't we wonder, or shouldn't we ask, how in the world do I get it? How do I receive that gift? Well, Paul makes it abundantly clear. He says in, in Ephesians, he says, and you, you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance into the redemption of those who are God's possessions to the praise of his glory. You see, Paul teaches that there's a process to receiving the Holy Spirit. He says it starts with you hearing the truth, that someone has to preach the truth to you, the truth of the gospel. But what is the gospel? Well, the gospel is the story of our sin and Christ as our Savior. See, the gospel tells us that we are all sinners and we can't overcome our sin. But Jesus loved us enough to leave heaven and come to earth to die in our place, to pay the penalty of our sin, and to give us victory over it through his resurrection. And so Paul says, hey, to receive the Holy Spirit, you have to hear that truth. But to get the Holy Spirit, you have to believe it. That you have to choose with your life. Your grandma can't choose for you. Your traditions can't earn it for you. Going to church and praying a lot won't get it for you. Paul says, when you believe. 
when you believe with your heart that Jesus came and rescued you through his death and his resurrection, when you confess that with your mouth and you believe it in your heart, Paul says you are marked by a seal, the Holy Spirit. In an instant in your belief, God comes and lives within you. And, and, and that is a guarantee of the deposit of your inheritance for all of eternity. So we receive the Holy Spirit through our belief. But what does the Holy Spirit do in our lives? You know, the Holy Spirit is often called the forgotten God because we have him and yet we don't use him, take advantage of him. So what does Jesus say about his role in our lives in the church? Well, let's look at John 14 and 16. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you, there's that word again, another advocate to help you, to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. Two chapters later, Jesus says, when he comes, he will prove to the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, but when he the spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. And so here Jesus teaches his disciples about the gift that was going to come. A gift that they would have to wait for to establish his church and be his witnesses. And so let's talk about how this gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit, our advocate plays a role in our life. From a big picture, this advocate is our guide. He's our guide throughout life. You see, we all know this to be true. In, in life, doesn't matter what season you're in, whether you're young or old, in life, there are so many decisions to be made. Some are small and, and seemingly meaningless. Others, very, very important. Ones that stress us out, keep us up at night. You see, in life, you're going to have to make decisions about your relationships, about your career, about your family, about whether to stay or go. There's all kinds of decisions in life, decisions that we wish, man, I just need help making this decision. I just need someone to kind of give me wisdom. And here's the reality. God gave you that in his spirit. He is there not to just reside in your life, but to guide you throughout your life. Let me put it to you like this. You see, when I hear that word guide, I often think about my dad. You see, my dad loved to hunt. And every year or so with my father-in-law, they would pack up their bags and they would travel out west. They would go to Montana or South Dakota or Colorado and they would hunt elk or mule deer or whatever they, they, they were thinking about hunting. 
And when they went to an area that they didn't know where they were going or where the deer were, they would hire a guide. And that guide was there to protect them from danger. That guide was there to put them in the right spots, to show them where the deer were running, to put them in the best place possible to be successful on the hunt. Can I tell you the same is true about your life? That God gave you a guide for every decision, for every choice, to put you, to push you to the truth, to make you, to put you in the best spot to be successful in life. Look what Jesus says. He says, but when he comes, the spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. Now, how does that work? Well, there are times where the Holy Spirit will simply say to you, go, act, do. There's times where he will say, no, 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 stop. Don't go there. He'll make you feel uncomfortable somewhere, so you leave. There's times where he'll say, invite, love, care. He'll give you commands. There's this, the Spirit's presence in our life often enables us to be able to interpret, understand the truth of God's word, even when it can be confusing. He is the ultimate guide for your life. He goes before you. Leading the way, removing obstructions, helping you give understanding, making all things plain and clear. He leads the way in all spiritual things because this advocate is your guide in life. The second role the Spirit plays that Jesus talks about is the advocate will preach the gospel to you. He will over and over again, every day, remind you of who you are. He'll remind you of where your identity lies. He'll preach the gospel to you. See, one fundamental flaw we've made in Christianity is we believe the gospel is only for our salvation. But ultimately, it's for our salvation and our sanctification. The gospel over and over in your life, reminding you that you've been redeemed, you've been chosen, that you are loved, that your identity lies in Christ, will make you look more like Jesus. It will push you towards the cross, and so that's why the Holy Spirit in your life will remind you of who you are, of what Jesus did for you, that he rescued you from your sin, and when you slip into sin, he will remind you that his grace covers you, that you've been forgiven, that God loves you and you are chosen. He's going to testify about Jesus to you. Preach the gospel over and over again in your life. The third role he will play is the advocate will convict us of sin. Maybe if we're being honest, the most annoying part about the Holy Spirit. Because if we're just going to be real, you know, it's, we can drop our walls and not pretend anymore. We all have those moments in life where we just want to experience the pleasure of sin. And the Holy Spirit is there to not allow us to do that. Where he will call out when you live in rebellion to God. He'll tell you that's not who you are. That's not the direction you want to go. He'll remind you of the destruction that your sin will lead to you. Jesus says this, he says, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. There's going to be times where the Spirit of God says, don't do that. Don't go there. That's going to destroy you or your family or your marriage. You see, the conviction of sin is one of the ways that we know the Holy Spirit resides in us. 
If you're here today and you can just run to sin over and over and over again and not feel anything about it, not sense the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you might want to ask the question if the Spirit truly dwells within you. Because he will convict you of your sin. Where you can't look past it or ignore it anymore, that it will be brought to your attention. So the Holy Spirit will will preach the gospel to you, convict you of your sin. He'll guide you. He will also comfort you. The advocate will be your comfort. Because we all know this. Jesus said it. In this world, we will face trouble. And just because you're a follower of Christ, just because you have the Holy Spirit in your life, doesn't mean that life is always going to be good. We know this. There's going to be times in your life where you have to grieve and mourn. And lament. Times in this world where you're going to experience pain and hardship. Some of you might be there right now. But the good news is, is you don't have to experience it and walk through it alone. That the Holy Spirit is literally there to comfort you. To give you a spiritual hug. To give you peace. When you shouldn't have it. When it doesn't make sense. To allow you to experience joy in the face of hardships. Joy that comes in the morning. You see, the Spirit of of God is there to comfort us, to walk through the pain, but experience peace and joy. Maybe the last thing Jesus talks about might be the best news, that the advocate will never leave us. When you are marked by the Holy Spirit through your belief in Jesus' work, There is no act that you can commit, no sin that is so big that would kick the Holy Spirit out of your life. And if you don't want to believe me, listen to Jesus' words. He says, and he will be with you forever. Forever. So there's nothing you can do when you're marked by the Holy Spirit to somehow get him out of your life, get rid of him. He walks with you everywhere you go because he will never leave you. It's so fascinating to see what Jesus says about this gift. Look, at the very end, he says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Because unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. See, Jesus prepared his disciples for this gift. He told him all about the role it would play in his life. He said, hey, don't leave Jerusalem because my gift is coming. Jesus set his church up for success. And so as we begin to process this and we get to lean into the Spirit's work in our lives, the first question I have is the question I asked you last week. Do you have the Holy Spirit? And before you like rush to answer that question, think about it. When you live in rebellion to God, when you choose sin, do you feel that conviction? Do you hear the Spirit's voice in your life? Is he guiding you, speaking to you? Have you believed with your life that Jesus did die and and resurrect? If you haven't made that decision yet, you're still missing out on God's greatest gift to you in life. His presence. And if you're here today and you don't know if you have the Spirit of God living in you, listen, you don't have to do something wonderful to get it. Jesus took care of that. 
All you have to do is believe. To say to God in your own words, God, I believe that I'm a sinner and I need a savior. So God, I believe today that you came and you died for me in my place. But yet you gave me victory through your resurrection. And today, God, I, I just believe that with my heart. And I want you to forgive me and I want you to leave me. The Bible says when you do that, you will receive the Holy Spirit. So if you haven't done that, man, if you got questions, doubts, whatever it is, we'd love to help navigate that journey for you. You can talk to us at Connect. You can talk with your campus pastor, chat and the host. Man, we'd love to introduce you to Jesus. For you to experience power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. But for many of us, today we, we would say, yes, I have that Holy Spirit. And so my challenge for us is this, that we would learn to follow his guidance in our lives. Can I ask you, would you describe yourself as a spirit-led person? When things come your way in life, are you even paying attention, waiting to hear what the Spirit has to say to you? Or are you just good on your own? Don't worry, God, I got this. God didn't give you His Spirit for us to just ignore and do life on our own. No, He's our guide. And so are we listening to Him, paying attention to Him, and not just listening, but obeying what He says? This takes a level of intentionality in our lives where we have to slow down a little bit. And in every decision, it's as simple as spirit. What do you have to say? Lead me, guide me, speak to me. Now, I would bet there are some of you here today that would say, well, Drew, uh, listen, I don't, I don't know if I've ever heard the spirit's voice in my life. Why is that? I'll give you a couple reasons. One, are you truly saved? Do you truly believe in Jesus' cross and resurrection? Or have you quelched the spirit in your life? Have you stifled him? The way we stifle the Holy Spirit's voice in our life is we continue to sin. When you continually choose sin over and over again, what you do is you turn the volume of the spirit of God down in your life. It's not that he stopped speaking, it's that you stopped listening. Maybe it's time that we turn our attention to the Spirit, experience his presence, and allow him to guide our lives. The second challenge I would have for you is to be confident knowing that you have an advocate. Guys, think about this for a second. If you know Christ as your personal savior, God himself lives in you. That's amazing. Like we can't normalize that. Jesus says the world won't get it. There's some weirdness to it that we don't fully understand. But what's sad to me is when I see Christians, you know what I often see? Worry. People who are afraid. People who go through life depressed, struggling. And at some level, I get it. Life is hard. It's difficult. But today, I'm telling you, you can be confident no matter what you face, no matter what you go through, no matter what storm is raging, because guess what? God is with you. 
He lives inside of you. Think about how freaking amazing that is. Don't downplay it. Step into it. The power of Jesus who raised him from the dead lives in you. So be confident. Walk around with a little bit of swagger today. I know God and he is with me. Lastly, know God is with you always. Let me, let me put it to you like this. I'll end with this. You know, I bet all of us in life, there's some people that we love so much that we wish we could be there with them everywhere. For me, as a dad, I think about my children. You know, as a dad, I wish that in life I could just go with all of my kids everywhere to protect them from danger, to help them make choices, to speak to them when they are struggling, to comfort them when they're hurt. Like, I just, I long for that. As parents, as grandparents, as, as, as nieces and aunts, and we all get that, right? Like there's people that we love that we could just go with them wherever we can, but the reality is, as a dad, I can't do that for my kids. I can't be with them everywhere they go. But God made a way that he'd go with me, he'd go with you, and he'd go with my children. Amen. That he would always be with them. He'd always be with me. So be encouraged today. Step in to the power of the presence of God's Holy Spirit. He gave you a gift. And God is not just with you. God is in you. Let's pray together. Lord, help us to realize that. It's easy to get so busy in life where, man, we, we, we make decisions on our own. We step into our own power and our own mind. God, you gave us an amazing gift that we get to walk with you. And God, I pray for those of that are here that don't know you, God, that they would step into a relationship so they could experience your presence. And for all of us as believers, God, what would make us a better disciple today is leaning into your presence. Help us to do that in Jesus' name.